Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Craft of the Draft podcast. I'm John T. Ralph Smith, one of your co-hosts, and alongside me is Nathan Seppi, and we've got Nick Cox with us as well. We hope you've enjoyed the content, by the way. In the first couple of weeks, we've spoken to some coaches and worked the phones to find out about what the leaders of NAB League clubs will be bringing to the table in 2023. The player-specific content is still to come, so stand by for that, but looking forward to speaking to Coxie about what goes into developing draft talent. So, Coxie, thanks for jumping on. The Dandenong Stingrays coach entering his fifth year. Looking forward to speaking to you. Yeah, thanks, gents. Look forward to um, chewing the fat and having a chat about the the talent pathways. Well, let's get stuck into it. And I guess a bit of background, Coxie, your boys made it all the way to the grand final last year, which is a great achievement. And you've put a lot of faith in your bottom ages, especially last year. And I guess that really showed off this year as well because six of the boys got selected for the country for the Stinrays. And I guess give us a bit of insight into how pre-season's travelling at the moment, how those bottom ages travelling and the whole squad in general. Yeah, I think, look, we were really pleased that, you know, we um, we went a fair way last year and we are probably beaten by, a, or we were beaten by a, a much talented squad. Um, but we're really happy with what we're able to do as a region, um, particularly, you know, giving, as you just touched on, Nathan, the um, the bottom ages a little bit of a glimpse of um, what the or the then NAB League, and now it's called the uh, the the Coats Higher Talent Pathways, um, the Talent League. Sorry, so yeah, we gave them a little bit of a glimpse, and I think that's the the thing that, at the end of the day, um, you know, particularly in the second half of that grand final. Uh, last year is that our, our 17-year-olds really stood up and um, sort of um, made a real impact in what they did on the ground. And, um, you know, they've, they've sort of led into that with pre-season. There's uh, the standards that they've bought um, to pre-season. Not only the six six players have made the Vic, initial Vic Country squad, but, you know, players like Billy Wilson and Matt Nelson, uh, Jack Wilson, um, yeah, they, they've just come back. Um, with with really high standards and uh, really good leadership, um, and it's driving um, all all the other players around them. So we're really pleased with what we've got thus far. I guess a key part of our podcast we want to focus on is things that really don't get mentioned in the mainstream media. And I think something that was on Jonty and I's mind a bit throughout the week is, I guess, how do you manage development of those fringe players who probably could get sucked into what's happening on the mainstream media if, you, if your name isn't getting read out as much or you're not hearing much about yourself outside of the club. How do you celebrate, I guess, the little wins these players might have to work themselves up the ranks and build around a culture that really supports these players to develop to a high standard without being affected with what's happening outside your big country and mainstream media talk throughout the year? Yeah, it look, it look, obviously the, the, the social media side of things is becoming massive now and there, there's so many different sort of angles that that comes from, um, which which is great for the players who are, you know, getting um, the, the traction in that. But for the players who are sort of on the fringe, like you speak about, it um, becomes quite distressing at times um, and they get quite anxious about things. And I think that, um, you know, having the conversations with them about what they can control, which is quite simplistic, but at the same time is, you know, that that's what we can speak to them about and let their actions speak. Um, and at the end of the day, um, 
you know, I always say if they're good enough, uh, they'll get found. But it, it is becoming quite hard. Um, and, and the expectations on players when they come into our our system is, you know, they, they've been the best player in their in their community or, or local footy sides and they come in and they're, you know, sort of all of a sudden really quickly they realise that um, there's players just as good, if not better, in their region and then there's players just as good, if not better, um, that they're playing against. So they have to adapt fairly quickly. So I think it's about talking about the expectations, um, realistic expectations as well about where they sit. Um, but having those conversations and those honest conversations, and and, and sometimes it's really hard to talk um, to a player about sort of where they sit, but at the same time, I think they respect that um, and they understand it, and then they can go to work in what, you know, what tools we can give them to to help them become better. And I guess with those players that, you know, are really looking to progress and they're hearing things around the media and as much as, much as the coaches will try and foster them, how much do you try and separate the individualism behind building their, you know, their ability to play really high quality football and get recognised, but also buying into what the team's trying to achieve during the year? Yeah, well, I, I reckon that there's, I think that that aspect of things changing a lot across the, the, um, the talent pathways for in in every region is that, you know, where 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 we as coaches and I think it's um, been clearly evident by the, you know, the amount of work that we've done all together as you know, um, coach hire <laughs> coaches, um, that that we're all we're all one program. We've got one one goal and that is that to develop players to make them better once they start in our program to finish in our program. Now, whether they get to the AFL level, that's a bonus. Whether they get to VFL level or they just go back and become very good community footballers is that our role is to develop these players to become better. Nothing else. It's not about, you know, being an AFL player. It's not about um, that's the be all and end all. So I think that from uh, and I'm 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 pretty sure that I, I speak for some of the country regions, but also particularly our region is that the the time that they have in in a um, talent pathways program, uh, a it should be enjoyable, b they should become better. But that team aspect, I mean, our boys will never forget the grand final last year and how far they went. There'll be something in there in their memories as footballers forever in a day. Now, they're going to learn from that as well, the feeling that they had. But I think that it's becoming better where it's not as much about the individual as what, you know, possibly in years gone past that it has been. Um, and the team aspect and the the ability to grow together as a group is become becoming more um, evident. Has that been a change in coaching um, at all or is that just sort of naturally evolved from your perspective? No, it, it definitely has. And, you know, that we're talking a long time ago, but, you know, 15, 20 years ago is that the the emphasis on the, on the um, which was the TAC back then, is, is probably, you know, getting draftable players through to the next level. Um, whereas now, um, which is a great direction from the AFL, is that, you know, making young Young players better wherever they may may land, and and we've seen it across, you know, in our region in, in recent years. You know, you know Matt Cottrell, you know, as a as an eighteen year old missed out in the draft, then went away pre season and got on Carlton's list um, 
in in the um, preseason draft. You know, as recently as Jai Cully come back as a 19 year old and um, you know got on West Coast list. So you you know. The, if they're good enough, they eventually get found. So our our job is as 17, 18-year-old young men is that we try and help them, give them the tools to become better. Um, and if they go back to local and have to hone their skills a little bit, get on a VFL list, there's so many more opportunities. And you talk about, you know, players becoming better now and that being more than just the draft. How much do you focus on process over result and I suppose how do you emphasize that to a 17, 18, 19 year old person who who might want to get drafted and that's obviously the ultimate goal how do you ensure that message is adhered to and comprehended rather than I suppose heard and dismissed? Yeah well I think as well John T is that now that the, the players have got a lot more opportunities than just the November draft I mean yeah um, yep. in years gone past that was it and it was the be all and end all and you know you know unfortunately the the disappointment of missing out of that, and that was it. Whereas now the the AFL have got given us so many more opportunities, given players so many more opportunities. You got the, uh, the SSV stuff, you got um, mid season draft, you got pre season draft stuff. You obviously got the national draft. Um, you know, players can be added if they're good enough and going well from any sort of part of the world. And we, you know, Collingwood, you know, pulled someone from Shepparton. Um, yeah. To be drafted. So, look, there's so many more opportunities, and and, and let's be realistic about it. Footy, footy at the highest level is hard, mm. even at local level, it's hard. Footy's hard. So you've got to be really good at it, and you, and you've got to be, um, you know, your, your skills and your fundamentals and your your your, your mental mindset, etc., has got to be really and conditioning it's got to be really good it's hard and some people don't get it until they're 22 some get it when they're 17 and um you know it, it it's just different levels you know um for different per personnel it, it it clicks for one minute so you know to, to answer there's so many more opportunities now um yeah. and and that's what we preach as well um you know in our program and i think overall in in all you know the 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 Coates uh, higher talent pathway system. Yeah, and um, I suppose work ethic is a is a word. It's a phrase. It's a concept mm. that comes up a lot in the Coates Higher Talent League. Um, tell us a bit more about that. And I suppose more than that, you know, you hear in the mainstream media the um, guys that get drafted. Obviously, they're always doing the extras and that kind of thing. How common is it for for guys to do extras? Because it's not it's not all that common. But people who might read some stuff might think everyone sort of does it. Is it just the guys who get drafted? that do those extras and what do those extras look like in practice well no no it's, it's not always the guys who get drafted i mean i've seen many a player um across the years who who've done the extras and think that they're doing you know the right thing to give themselves every opportunity and you know what sometimes unfortunately yeah. uh not football and but in life is that you know you, you fall a little bit short there's nothing wrong with that the, the great thing i would have thought about all those players uh, and most players who come through a talent pathway is that whether it be at 17 or whether it be at 24 or 35, eventually the penny drops on what they should have done or what they shouldn't have done. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's obviously the one, one that comes to mind really quickly is, you know, Jai Cully you know, doing the extra stuff to get the mid-season draft. But, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, ground balls with mum and all, all the extra stuff that he was doing. But at the end of the day, he had he had talent and he had a um, a weapon that was different to other players. That's why, you know, he, he got to the level that he's that he's got to. Um, 
I think the hard part is, you know, get obviously it's getting there and then getting a game. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is what is is what it is with certain players, but the ones who do that little bit extra, and it might only be, it might only be getting their rehab right, getting you know proper sleep, getting um, getting um, you know do, do, doing their um, yeah eating patterns right, etc. So. Um, the, the minor things or the, the one or two percent can be the difference. Absolutely. I think we get caught up sometimes in um, players think that they should should do all this extra stuff outside of the program that we're, we're, we're setting them um, and they just become really tired uh, and they become overloaded um, and then they can't, you know, do things as well as what they could do if they were a little bit fresh. So there's a little bit of education on that as well from our point of view. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about that. Tell me about where is that sort of Goldilocks zone where players don't do too much? Because I suppose if they do do too much, then there is obviously the risk of, you know, putting all their eggs in one basket and then, you know, putting too much pressure on yourself. And that shows on the field with, you know, everything they do, players getting down on themselves, etc. How do you ensure that that doesn't yeah. occur? Well, just to strip it back a little bit, our, our biggest fo- focus with, you know, players at the moment who are going through VCE in school is that, that that's their first importance. Yeah. Because you know, two to five percent out of most regions um, get drafted, and it's very hard to get drafted. So you know, having a backup um, is probably at our forefront. Uh, I would have thought. Um, sorry, what was the question you asked again, Jonty? Uh, just about the just about the pressures and how you ensure. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. It, it, there's different beasts. So, for an example, a a, a player. Um, you know, a, a Jacob Weedering can do some extra stuff because he's more developed, um, possibly as an 18-year-old compared to to someone else. So, you know, all these players as 16, 17, see, you know, whether it be Weedering or Hunter Clark or Luke Davies, Uniaki or whoever do all this extra stuff, um, you know, and they think, oh, that's what I've got to do to get drafted. Well, it's not because those boys have got, you know, clearly some different attributes to what those those people have. And, you know, I suppose as well, I mean, there's so many, um, you know, they've got school, they've got, um, you know, they've got their local local footy, they can get personal trainers, they can get, um, you know, all that, these type of um, assistance. But at the end of the day, I don't care what anyone says, is that um, the, the pathways gives everyone the tools to make them better without having to do anything external. Yeah, well, I'm done. I want to talk about now, it's actually quite fitting that this topic of conversation comes in. I want to talk about talent and we just got, we just found out the other day that it's now changing to the talent league as we've uh, alluded to throughout the episode. But I want to ask, in terms of talent, it's such a wide topic of conversation now, but I guess what do you take as a coach what are afl recruiters telling you and what do they want players to develop into because i think it you know someone like you has been around the program for five years your your idea of development might be different to what afl clubs are wanting out of players and i think you know nab league talent league clubs now would want to develop players in probably a more holistic way where it's not just focused on getting to the afl it's becoming better people and making your game more about yourself and how you go about it outside of the football field as well. But really, what is talent to you? Because it's 
such a really good topic of conversation that could go in a lot of different ways, but how do you approach it as a coach? Yeah, and, and I think this is a really tough question because I, I'm I'm not the oracle and I do not know, you know, I have all the answers because if I, if I spoke to to one club compared to another club, well, that, that, that their their thoughts on talent is um, it's almost same same, but um, it might be a little bit different. So, you know, the the way that we we gauge talent, we've obviously you know not only got um, uh, not so much a template, but we've got an idea of what you know the the next level look for, and even what they look for at VFL level. So it's you know it's a combination of a heap of things. It's a combination of obviously you know being really good with fundamentals, um, and, and that's really simplistic as well. But your, your your ability to not turn the ball over with your with your fundamentals, whether it be hot by hand or fit, your ability to make really good decisions, um, your ability, as I just said, to be good with your execution. Um, your conditioning is at a, as a competent enough level that once you get to an AFL club or a VFL club that you're going to continue to get better. Um, and I think the thing that I've noticed this year, from particularly from some of our players who get drafted, is that, you know, it, it becomes for some of these clubs a need as well, um, you know, the, the type of play that they actually need. So, for instance, I mean, Jackson Binns is, you know, one that comes to mind from this year's draft who went to Carlton, um, whose running ability is exceptional. Um, he can play a really good role on the outside um, and, and his decision-making is okay. It got, got better as the year went on, um, but his ability to get up and down the ground, you know, defensively and then, you know, offensively be really good is something from their point of view that they would have thought that it would be a need basis. Um, I reckon... If, if I'm being, without being um, smart in saying it, I reckon you can see talent from a long way back. Um, you know, particularly as, a, as we've got our 16-year-olds in at the moment, and you, I reckon you can see it by some of the things that players do, you know, not only with that decision-making, but, you know, things in traffic, their ability to mark the ball um, um, at certain levels, their kicking ability, etc. So you can see it from a fair way away. I think that the perception from... Um, particularly the local football is, you know, and one one of the, one I must admit that is changing, uh, and, and the great thing about um, the pathways is that we're a- able to go out and actually uh, educate our, our coaches on this. Is that it's not about possessions, you know, it's not about getting forty five possessions in a game if if you know your execution's poor, you're turning it over, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I think that you can see talent from a fair way back. Um, it comes in all different shapes and sizes, but it really does. Um, I hope I've answered that okay. I haven't really given you an answer. You can, you can see it from a fair way. But... Yeah, well, look, there's no straight answer to it. I guess expanding on it. Well, I mean, talent something that is evolving, and you would have seen that, that evolve over the last five years. Mm. And I guess what you spoke about with Jackson, if you know a club's going to hone in on a particular skill base of a player do you focus on that more throughout the year or do you give do you just give the player the freedom to develop their full game or if you know they've got a better potential to really get in through that one particular skill you're going to push that a bit more I think that skill gets highlighted anyway whether it you know whether it's I mean with Jackson in particular I mean some of his GPS stuff was exceptional at national level and obviously back with us um 
So, and, and Matt Cottrell was another one that comes to mind that was had that ability to, you know, get up and down the ground as well. Um, so, no, we don't we don't hone in on it because, I mean, you know, one club says one thing and another says another. So we, we've got to be careful that, you know, we don't just concentrate on one thing and particularly when, a, you know, uh, when a club misses that particular player on draft night, you sort of think to yourself, well, that was a bit of a mistake. Um, but, no, we, we like to... You know, I think that's one thing that the pathway sort of shows that we like to um, allow the players to showcase their talents in all different areas, all different positions. Um, so it's not just one particular thing. Now, there's some players that there's some players that are really good in one particular area, but still, you know, the question mark is always asked: Can he be good in another position or area as well? So it's important that we showcase that too. And I suppose the contrast of that is versatility, the importance of versatility at the level. At what stage are you sort of saying, okay, you know, we've shown you enough on the wing if you're talking about Jackson or if you're speaking about another player, we've shown you enough in the midfield to show that you can play there and you've got that as a strength. We can now trial you up forward. How much of that is coaching instinct and how much of that by AFL clubs? Yeah, look, I think one thing I picked up today, I saw over the last few days that Cody Waitman's been doing a um, a little bit of um, midfield work at the Bulldogs. Um, and I, and I, I remember a game at, at Bendigo vividly where, you know, uh, obviously it was a fantastic and um, very skillful small forward who, who won games off his own boot. But there was one day, I think it was against Geelong, uh, the Falcons that he went into the middle and sort of changed the dynamics of the game, um, just for, from his skill set he he sort of bought. And I I remember speaking to recruiters that year, and they 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 love the ability for someone to go and showcase in other areas. So it is very very important um, that we do that. In saying that, I mean if, if someone's dominating in one particular area, you you don't want to move them too much. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought. And you know, look, uh, it's no secret that. Um, you know, Sibba mm. get over the line this year and, you know, his numbers as a midfielder with us and um, obviously Vic Country were, were exceptional and, uh, you know, unfortunately it hasn't been enough at the moment. So um, that that's sort of a, um, a a really good reason why we need to continue to enhance him in other areas. And, you know, Sibba went forward a little bit and hit the scoreboard um, and, and did some good things, but... Um, I think that's becoming very important. I think you guys understand that as well. Versatility is, you know, is key. Yeah, and you mentioned Sibber there, Mitch Sivkovsky, obviously, yeah, your captain last year. One thing that was always highlighted with him um, when I spoke to to people for work was his his character, and that's one that's often highlighted as well in, in draft settings. Um, tell us a bit more about character, and I suppose specific character traits that are sought after the the resilience and the grit and those sort of things, why are those so important and, and how do you sort of see them in practice both on the on the training track and in games that, you know, convinces you that, yeah, if I'm speaking to an AFL recruiter, this guy sort of the box. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think that's the most important thing when they walk in the door. Um, their expectations are quite high when they do come in. I mean, mum, dad, um, their friends, their family, their, their whole circle is thinking that they're going to get drafted when they walk in. And, and, and we, we talk about and we educate, which is great. And we, we've got a lot of help from that over the, in the pathways in the last few years about how we, we can, you know, keep their expectations realistic. Um, but character is massive for, for us. And I think it's massive across the, um, the, the pathways program that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure that clubs are not going to allow um, 
you know, immaturity or, or you know, disrespectful players to come into their um, their 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 footy club. Um, uh, that they, they want players who are going to adapt to a team environment. You know, um, you talked about grit and you know work rate and all that type of stuff, and and just get put their put their head down uh, and go to work. And I, I, I'm that, that's one thing from my point of view, from a a region point of view, that I think we do very very well. Um, we 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 turn them into better people as well. Um, and there's not too many, if any, um, along the way that have you know you. Have gone again the the other way basically. So uh, we're pretty proud of that stuff as well. How, think, how, how do you do that? How do you turn them into better people? Is that just being part of a program where there's good people around? Do you do? Oh, look, it, 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 it has started, and I've only sort of touched. You know, I've, I've been in for about ten years now, and you know, I started with Graham Yates, who instilled it, and um, you know, Craig Black, obviously. You know, didn't put up with any any players sort of getting ahead of themselves, etc. And the the way things are done back then to what they are now are a little bit different. Uh, we have to be you know, um, a little bit careful on you know how we speak and how we we say things to players. And I think that's just part of the you know the way things are evolving. But um, you know, when they walk in the door, um, you know, speaking to parents and speaking to them about you know where they sit and. Um, you know what what's required being in this program and and the expectations that that they actually have to fulfill being in a you know for us a stingray squad it, it's you know the pre-season 80 kids come in out of thousands it's a privilege um and, and you should be honored to to wear the jumper um and um most of the boys if not all the boys do do that yeah and clearly, without individualising, how common is it for for players to come in and not necessarily have that that character initially, and then be able to develop it? Like when they're sixteen, seventeen, are they able, are they malleable enough still to be able to go from someone who doesn't have it and isn't you know going to adapt to a full time environment or even a semi professional environment VFL level to yeah. then develop yeah. it in them? Yeah, I I think it does change change, Jonty. I, I mean, we we um, obviously see the boys um, at fifteen, sixteen, and um, you know they're, they're coming in with bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and you know being the best player in the in the region, and um, you know come in and think that it's just going to happen. And I, I think that you know without you know being too hard on those players, we sort of let them know about not getting ahead of themselves, and there's still a long, long way to go. Um, it's just managing expectations as well, and you know. That there's been so many without naming names that come in as a you know 15 16 year old with a really poor attitude to when they leave the program um, being exceptional exceptional people and I think that's the same across a lot of the regions I would have thought and does that just come through your coaching is that just a, a case of you know the way you coach is sort of imparted upon them is that is there any other parts of the program is it speaking to the well-being coordinator for example what is it that i suppose straightens them out and smooths those edges well i think i think the great thing about and i look the the the, the regions are all same same what we do and how we do things yeah um, I, I would have thought that you know all all regions are like this is that you know my job is to make sure that we educate our coaches on how things are going to be done um, and, and our staff and our well-being, et cetera. Um, you know, and Toby's obviously the same with, you know, his expectations as well. I just think it's a flow effect of, um, 
you know what what we've been able to achieve with our footy and do with our footy, and it's just actually, in a way, teaching them life lessons um, yeah. to become to become better in those areas. Uh, it's not rocket science, but um, you know we, we've got these boys for three to four years at times, and and we are a really big. You know, we forget about how how big an influence we are on them at times, um, and so hopefully we're guiding them in the right way. And you talk about them coming in sometimes when they're 15, 16-year-olds being a bit, you know, being the big fish in the pond. What are you sort of expecting from them and how does the expectation change? Like I know Shifter, for example, talks a lot about 17-year-olds. They just need to show glimpses in that bottom age year to, you know, warrant selection in their top age year and, and, you know, they've still got a year ahead of them. What are the differences from your perspective and expectation for a bottom age and then even an overager? What's incumbent on the demand? it's interesting you just talked on that I, that that is one big thing that we we try and talk about um straight away is that these players are coming and even at you know i was at 16's training last night and um we, we were doing some you know full ground drills and some boys touched the ball in 10 minutes two to three times now you, you might think to yourself well maybe the drill's not being done wrong uh, right um but obviously we do fundamentals and touch after that but if they're doing that, at, at, if they go back to local training, they're touching the ball every 30 seconds and, and getting a, a lot of touch. So in, in those two to three touches, what we are looking for is that is that moment where they do things very well. Um, and and then, then educating them on that is, um, well, how do you think you trained? Uh, oh, I didn't go too well on this. Why is that? Oh, I didn't get many touches. Yeah, but you did this, this and this. And that's this is what we're looking for. We can see glimpses, the crystal ball effect in a couple of years' time of what you possibly could output. Um, and Kevin does that very well. You know, he's obviously, um, I think he's never said anything negative about any player in the history of football, but he can see, he's very good at seeing the um, the, the crystal ball stuff in, in players' attributes. Um, and that's what we look for as well. It, it, players get very anxious and, and um, upset and think that they're not going as well as what they are, but our opinion on it's a little bit different. Yep. And what about the other end of the spectrum for, for the 19-year-olds? You've obviously got a few returning this year and there always are a few that return. What's incumbent on them? The players yeah. have obviously had a lot of exposure and every time they play, they might be taking a position away from a 16 or 17-year-old. Yeah. Well, Joy Kelly's made it very hard for us because every 17-year-old <laughs> who comes back think that they're going to be the number one draft pick. But yeah. Um, in saying that as well is that, you know, the, the AFL, you know, the, the pathway program is, um, is sort of capped what we can do with the 19-year-olds this year, which is a great initiative. Um, so that, those players, well, right now, all our 19-year-olds, except for one because of um, a long-term injury at a VFL club. Yeah. Uh, I, I was speaking to Z Toledo today, who um, will be coming back as a 19-year-old. He's doing a pre-season at Casey. And I, I asked him, I said, what what's the big... The big the, the difference between us and a VFL club, and it's obviously the intensity, yeah. and how how long that they train for. Um, I think he, they start at six, and he said that they finish to about eight thirty nine o'clock. Yeah. So it's, it's a big session, but you know, realistically as well, is that um, you know um, honing in what 
you know, where where they want to get to. And, you know, a lot of them will be thinking about mid-season draft again. And I think that some of our players will have the ability to do that, like there will be in every region. Um, but setting them up as well, if that actually doesn't happen to, you know, giving them, a, giving them a connection with a VFL club is very important as well. And you know what, Jonty and Nath, I think that what we've got to f- realise as well is that it's hard to get on a VFL list now. It's yeah. not to get on a VFL list. Um, so they, they should be, you know, celebrated when that does happen, I would have thought. Who are, who are the guys, just while we've got you, that are on VFL lists? You've got, I think, Nick Collier's in the Frankston Academy. You've got Harry Polity's with Frankston, Ziggy, like yep. you mentioned, in Mill Brennan. Yeah, Justin Davies is at... Um, is at uh, Frankston as well. We've got um, Finnamil Brenners at Casey, like you just said. Um, just trying to think. Taj Campbell Farrell went out to Williamstown and made their list, which is fantastic. Um, Nick Collier, like you say. Uh, Colopy, like you say. I was trying to think of some of the. Ned's, Ned's training at, um, at Casey at the moment. So he's. He's got to tick a few boxes, but will be a, he's got an opportunity to be a, a 19-year-old back with us as well. Um, ben Todd's at uh, at Frankston at the moment. Um, so th- th- there's, you know, they're, they're all plying their trade at, at VFL clubs. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, they get the opportunity. It's, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough to... To get a game in a, in a VFL system next year, but um, I think they're giving themselves every opportunity. I would have thought. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap it up, Coxie, with one more question. I guess a summary of everything we've talked about. But what are your goals for? I guess yourself individually, from a coaching perspective, what are your goals throughout the year? But also a team perspective, what do you want to get out of the twenty twenty three season? Um, I think personally for myself is that just learning to adapt. I mean, you know, we get different. Um, individuals, different characters in each year and just learning to adapt and, um, you know, seeing what's the best to, to make them better um, and how they want to be coached. And um, the conversation I've had with a lot of players is about, you know, obviously the, the honesty side of things. And, and, and I think you can be honest with players, but if you can't teach them, how to get better in when you do speak about honesty is that when, that's where you've got an issue as a coach. Um, so being able to, you know, be honest, but also teach and make them learn and develop. Um, from a from a playing point of view, I, I think, look, there's no doubt that there's there's an emphasis on, there's no emphasis on, sorry to say, on the win-loss, and it's about, you know, making the team better. Um, and, and us as a team, like always, you know, we... we <laughs> The cliche, you want to be competitive, we want to, you know, want to showcase our talent, all that type of stuff is obviously at the forefront. Um, but, you know, I think that we we have got a, on, on the back of what we did last year with our 17-year-olds, we've got a little bit of talent that can be highlighted. Um, and, you know, we just we just want to, you know, we're, we're very proud as coaches of our region um, and we, we want to continue to, um, help pl- players, um, coaches um, in our region to become better. Um, that's our job, and that's what we'll be uh, instilling for for most of the year. And, and thus far, to be honest, gents, um, it's been quite pleasing. It's great to hear. We appreciate your time, Coxie, and obviously we'll chat to you later in the year and hope to get you back on the podcast. As the season progresses, uh, thanks, gents, for joining me. Uh, make sure to keep up to date on our socials for more exclusive news and more podcasts. And until then, we will catch you in the next episode.